Courtside the Virtual Hardwood, it's the NLC Podcast, episode number 289. Andrew with you once again. I'm joined this week by Kenny. It's good to be back again. Welcome back to the show, Kenny. It's been a few weeks and we now find ourselves at the end of the season. We do indeed, and uh, a lot of surprises in the NBA Finals, I have to say. Um, it wasn't the case of the Warriors walking through it like everybody else thought they would be. I'm going to take credit for that, of course, with my powers of jinx. But as I said to uh, to Ben on a previous show, I mean, also Ronnie threw out his prediction as well. So I don't know whether <laughs> I can give him credit. I kind of don't want to give him credit, but I also then does he take blame? But uh, uh, I guess he needs to find a new bandwagon to jump on. I guess so. And, uh, you know, I have to say I may have uh, called him out on that once or twice. <laughs> so, so did LE2K, actually. That was kind of funny to see. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, it was kind of funny. Yeah, just the whole dynamic of Twitter on during those NBA finals. It was one of the more entertaining, I think, uh, in the last few seasons, purely because uh, you know the Raptors really took it to them, and I don't think anybody was really expecting the Raptors to even make it past maybe even the second round because the last few years the Raptors just weren't consistent in the, um, the playoffs, but. Yeah, they really brought it this time around, and I'm happy that they did. And, and hats off to Kawhi Leonard, obviously a great playoff series, the, the third most points ever scored in a postseason behind uh, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Pretty good company to be in. Leonard, obviously a, a star in his own right uh, these days as well, and a former Finals MVP, now a two-time Finals MVP. Uh, a lot of talk about the asterisk, Kenny, and, and, and yeah, I'm not really for it. I think you have to play whoever shows up, and... I think the Warriors have also benefited from injuries and, and whatnot in, in past years. So, I, I mean, if you can make it through 82 games, get through the, the playoffs, win 16 and win the championship, yes, maybe you get some lucky breaks here and there, but you got to give credit where it's due. And uh, I think a fantastic season for the Raptors and uh, cool to see them win their first title because we don't see that a lot in the NBA these days. It, you know, it's, it's so, so many former champions and so many champions that have won multiple championships, so many teams that have won multiple titles that you kind of... We used to seeing the same faces throughout the years, and yes, yeah, so, so for a new team and a team that came along in the '90s to do it, uh, very cool. Yeah, I think it's really great when uh, a team kind of comes along and breaks parity. And I think it's like the second time uh, Kawhi Leonard has done that, really, because um, I believe the first title he won was against the Miami Heat, and they were pretty much a dynasty at that point as well. So um, he's <laughs> if. If he's not the greatest player of all time, he's definitely uh, one of the greatest dynasty breakers of all time. Well, see, that, that number two in his jersey, Kenny, that's how many titles you get in a row as long as he's around. There's, there'll be no three bits <laughs> as long as the claw is uh, um, having his way with the league. But uh, obviously questions yeah. uh, about what, what's going to happen next with him, whether he'll stay with the Toronto Raptors, whether he'll go to the Clippers, whether he'll go to the Lakers. Lakers have got to do some shuffling to make it happen with a third max slot, but... It's it's going to be an interesting off season, I suppose, with uh, with that going, and the idea that somebody who has just won a championship might immediately move on is is kind of I don't want to say unprecedented because I'm sure there's another example of it, but it's certainly unusual. Definitely not, and I'm kind of hoping he stays because I think it would be just such a it would be such a good thing for the basketball community in Toronto and just for just for the Raptors in general. Like he could be. I mean, he's arguably already ha- is the greatest player the Raptors have ever had, but if he stays on with him, he can really cement that legacy. 
I mean, DeMar DeRozan is basically Michael Jordan's level, right? Or Jordan's sister are simply overhyped uh, DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I guess it's him, DeRozan, or Vince Carter, I suppose. And as far as leading a team and, and con- considering how many parts changed, I mean, you know, credit to getting Gasol. I think Gasol had his moments as well and perhaps has shown that yeah. the big, big man is not uh, completely outdated, or the traditional big, I should say, although he has developed a bit of a three-point shot as well. Uh, but I, I, I think he uh, there's a pretty good chance he sticks around. I mean, a lot of people reading into his comments referring to the Raptors as they after they won. I mean, that's the way it is. I mean, <laughs> you, you remember back in the day they were t- looking at how much uh, Chris Webber didn't like the soul food he was getting in Sacramento. I mean, people read anything when it comes to free agency. They'll yeah. give any kind of clue. Uh, I think it'd be great if he sticks around and, and hats off to the Toronto Raptors. It, it's very hard for me to say Toronto Raptors, actually, Kenny, because uh, here in Newcastle, or actually Lake Macquarie specifically, we have a a suburb called Toronto as well, which is actually named after Toronto, Ontario. And But here in these parts, we refer to it as Toronto. Uh, so every time right. I say, you know, oh, yes, over Toronto, mate, Toronto. Um, yeah, so whenever I say Toronto Raptors, <laughs> to actually pronounce Toronto, it's I have to go against my uh, Novocastrian roots to do that. But yeah, awesome. <laughs> uh, awesome end of the season. Uh, not so awesome for the Warriors, of course. I mean, three titles in five years is still uh, nothing to be too upset about. And But certainly with, with Clay Thompson, with his knee injury, the ACL, and uh, the Achilles injury for Kevin Durant, uh, whew, that, that was really rough to see. Uh, both injuries take place, yeah. and uh, the, the close-up of of uh, his his of Durant's calf as the Achilles uh, ruptured was uh, quite gross to see, and you know, that that's very unfortunate. We, we've got two star players possibly missing all of next season or big chunks of next season, and uh, you know, Achilles injuries in particular have been career derailers, and we we hope that it's uh, that they can come back and that uh, modern medical technology can. Uh, and, and, and new techniques that are always developing in medicine can in sports medicine can uh, can avoid that. Yeah, here's hoping that they can because um you know Kevin Durant in particular he he has a chance to go down as one of the greatest players in history and I think uh, you know we've seen in the past players such as Grant Hill and Tracy McGrady go down just as they were hitting their stride and while I think Kevin Durant has kind of had a longer prime than those players it kind of it seems like a similar situation to me like at least to grant hill anyway because i know um grant hill tried playing through injury at some stage mm. and actually like uh, that kind of derailed his career so it kind of reminded me a bit of that in a way absolutely uh, but of course you look back at dominic wilkins came back from an achilles injury and was still still pretty much the human highlight film the next year that he came back so that was that was in the '90s, so that that's not necessarily uh, you know that's hopefully a good sign that you know it, it is possible depending on the player and the injuries. Uh, of course, you know, I'm no no medical expert, but having a, a bit of uh, Achilles problems myself from from running and talking to the doctor about it. One one thing my doctor said was that the big thing with Achilles injuries is that, that you don't get a lot of blood flow to the Achilles, so you don't get the white blood cells for it to repair. So that's why those injuries are so you know awful. But hopefully, again, he's obviously going to have the best care. He's a uh, I'm going to go out and live and say a far superior athlete to me, <laughs> Kevin Durant. So, um, uh, you know, wish him all, all the best and everything. Um, it's it's certainly thrown what was going to be a. I mean, it's probably, it's probably still going to be a wild off season, but has really thrown that into uh, you know disarray. I mean, I, I go back to my uh, my my career in NBA 2K19. Uh, Durant sticks around with the Warriors, but Clay Thompson apparently goes to, was heading to the Lakers. If you believe 2K19, right. <laughs> that's what happened in there. Uh, Kyrie Irving to the Hawks. 
Um, well, I mean, if he doesn't end up going to Brooklyn, maybe he does go to Atlanta. Who knows? <laughs> uh, it could be wild. But, you know, that that's obviously some big questions moving forward. But I, w- I certainly wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors do just re-sign Clay anyway for a big contract and uh, trust that he'll be uh, the star that he always was. Yeah, I think um, I think that's probably the right thing to do, if not for what he can do for them in the future, then for what he's given t- to them like previously. He's uh, a three-time champion, so um, I feel like you know Golden State probably owe him a debt in that sense. So I hope he gets that big contract. Um, whether he pans out, you know, for the rest of his career, I mean, it, it's not as his. Uh, injury is probably not as severe as Durant's as far as like the timeline and uh, you know the stage of his career and whatnot. But um, yeah, he, he's hoping he can come back as as good as he ever was. And it will be an interesting off season to see the potential movement. We, they talked. It looks like Kyrie Irving is done in Boston. It seems like that. Uh, yeah, that uh, relationship is very fractured to say the least. Uh, they were talking Brooklyn, but now Brooklyn may be not interested in him if he can't bring in Durant and. Uh, Durant has to opt out of his contract. I don't see Durant opting out of guaranteed money. Uh, I'm sure the Warriors would re-sign him anyway, but I, I don't know whether he'd want to give it the money just in case. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The injury kind of changes things for me. I, get, I guess he's probably... If it were me, I'd probably stay and go for like the easy money at this stage rather than risk it. Like, um, I think I read that uh, Harrison Barnes opted out of his player option. That was like twenty something million. He did. I was yeah. like, "Wow, okay, that's uh, betting on yourself quite a lot there." But um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, you know, apples and oranges situations there. Uh, Harrison Barnes isn't anywhere near the caliber of uh, Kevin Durant at the moment. But um, yeah, I, I could see uh, Kevin Durant staying. So as we look at uh, other movement around the league, of course, there is the uh, the NBA draft just took place. Uh, Zion Williamson went first overall. What a surprise! No, didn't see didn't see that coming. Um, shock, ab- absolutely shocked. It was essentially Anthony Bennett two point Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I suppose the biggest surprise was all the wheeling and dealing. Of course, the Lakers made the trade uh, with the with the Pelicans, gave them the uh, gave them the fourth pick uh, as part of a deal that's brought in. Anthony Davis, and they sent uh, Lonzo Ball. Oh, who, did they, who did they sent Lonzo Ball and um, Brandon Ingram, Ingram and two other uh, Josh picks. Hart as well. Josh Hart, that's right. So big deal uh, for the Lakers, obviously in win now mode, giving up that fourth pick. Uh, then the Pelicans gave up that uh, pick as well. So now it's uh, that's DeAndre Hunter has gone to the uh, has gone to the Hawks. Yep, uh, I think the Pelican. Pelicans are going to be a really fun team to watch next season, and um, even at the Atlanta Hawks as well. They've got some uh, great young players, so, um, yeah. I think I always find that when a superstar is dealt, the other team ends up being the more intriguing one, Mm. and it's definitely the case for me uh, in this Lakers trade with the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans... um, I don't. I don't see them being a playoff threat or anything like that. But they're going to be one of those uh, really fun teams, like the Denver Nuggets were uh, prior to that playoff run. So I'm glad you brought up your Nuggets because obviously that was uh, even before the current playoff run, of course, which was uh, impressive and great to see them back on up there in the league and new faces and everything. Uh, but of course, after the Carmelo Anthony trade, 
uh, almost a decade ago how, how they became such a more intriguing team with that uh, with that squad. Yeah, absolutely. They became more about moving the ball around and kind of, uh, you know, subbing players on and off fairly quickly and making taking advantage of the high altitude and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, they had quite a few intriguing parts and they're starting to bring it together now, thankfully. And uh, the addition of Bol Bol is actually kind of exciting, I think. He's, uh, he's an interesting project that I think probably won't play this season, but they have another guy called Michael Porter Jr. who I think is uh, a real sleeper for the rookie of the year. So, um, yeah, exciting times ahead. And, of course, it's always interesting when, when, when a former player's uh, uh, son is there in the NBA as well. And, of course, Bol Bol, the uh, son of the late uh, Minute Bol. And, and someone that has really been turning heads, I guess, for a couple of years, even when he's in high school, being much, much taller, I suppose, than your average high school or even the average high school basketball player and, and just seeing what he can do. Um, yeah, hopefully he does pan out. It was certainly an interesting uh, project. You mentioned, of course, uh, Rookie of the Year. Um, do you think we should go back to naming the awards during the playoffs or at least have the ceremony in between the regular season and the playoffs? I kind of like it if they had the ceremony just at the end of the regular season. Have it all over and done with before the playoffs so that people aren't arguing over, say, you know, oh, James Harden beat Russell Westbrook in this playoff series, so then he should have been MVP over Russell Westbrook. It's like, no, the playoffs shouldn't count for anything. And I think having the having the awards after the playoffs just kind of it creates like this whole uh, gray area that I don't particularly like. So I, I say at the end of the regular season. I think it would just make so much more sense to do it because at this point, who cares about the regular season MVP? We've already seen the championship decided, the finals MVP, somebody who's put in the performance on the biggest stage in the NBA, the culmination of the season. Does it really matter anymore? I mean, I suppose it does, but there's, there's still a legitimate award and everything. But it, now we, we're already looking ahead to next season. So I really think you should have to have have an extra week off in between the playoffs and the regular season, which also gives players time to rest up and train and whatnot and prepare for this for the series, and have the ceremony then and you celebrate the end of the regular season and move on. I mean, is that too logical or am I too cynical? I think that makes sense. Also, I think having it at the end of the playoffs kind of takes away the whole... Uh, you know, when you see somebody like, I remember Hakeem Olajuwon was felt slighted the year that David Robinson won it and just like went on to absolutely kill David Robinson in that series. 95, so yeah, yeah. I kind of like it, in a, I like it in a sense of it being a player motivation. It's like, okay, um, James Harden may have won it over, say, I don't know, Steph Curry, but then Steph Curry kind of feels slighted and then, you know, puts a... 50 points a game or something on the Rockets or, you know, whatever crazy amount. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of adds more to that whole playoff story, I think, in that sense. And that's what's been taken away, I think. And we saw it in 97 as well when Carmelo got the MVP surprisingly ahead of Michael Jordan. And then I remember seeing that there was footage during the NBA Finals there in the United Center, somebody holding up a banner with Jordan's face on it and, you know, with the real MVP written under it. And, and kind of, <laughs> it, it adds to that fire, as you say, and that bet- the rivalry between players and, and fans, of course, can jump on it as well. Uh, and, and again, it's a regular season, so it really needs to be celebrated when it's relevant and not, uh, not have the ceremony 
after the season. Is there any other sports that do we do that in the AFL as well? Is that after the season or is that between kind of postseason and regular season? So I think the Brownlow is actually before. So the Brownlow medal is it counts the regular season, but it is done I think the week before the grand final. So it kind of works almost similarly to the to the um the basketball one, but yeah, at the same time I think I think it's just the like the regular season and so um and it's done before the final, so it still feels relevant. So yeah. you're um, not, the, the season's not done technically at the time. It's almost done but not not completely over. So Yeah. So make it happen. Yeah, I don't know. I just I think they're missing an opportunity just by having it at the end. I think it's something to revisit. I mean, at the end of the day, I suppose it's not the maybe the most pressing issue with the league, but it's it seems kind of silly. I saw it pointed out on Twitter the other day, and I thought, yeah, you know, I haven't really thought about it that much, but it is. I, I don't care about the regular season MVP now because it comes after the finals. I'm already looking ahead to the off season and the and the next seasons. So it's it's sort of a bit weird, but. Now, something for the league to consider. They've made a lot of other changes in recent years. That may be another one to consider, uh, moving that back. Uh, just before we move on to some gaming talk, obviously we're all about games here at the NLSE, basketball games that is. Uh, you brought up uh, Tyreek Evans before, kind of old news now, but he's uh, he's been banned for a couple of years for uh, testing positive to a banned substance, not a performance enhancing, but we don't know what it is, basically uh, an illicit drug that's on the banned list. Uh, yeah, now for a couple of years. Yeah, that was a real surprise to me. I, I kind of, I read it, I think it possibly came from Woj, but I remember reading it and I thought, wow, that's uh, that's huge for a player that essentially had one of the, he had a historic rookie season pretty much. I think he averaged 25 and 5, which put him in pretty elite company at the time. Yeah, but, um, MJ, Oscar Robertson, yeah. Yeah, and it's just kind of weird to see his, career just kind of be he he kind of peaked at that point and just seeing him suspended now it's just i don't know it's i wouldn't say it's an end to his career or a strange end to his career but um yeah it it's a weird one i, I don't see him coming back from this honestly because um i don't know he's kind of a he he was a contributing player to like the last few teams but he was never really he never really lived up to the hype and you know we we saw some pretty good players like over the years just not hang around in the league because either they're you know a fringe talent or just you know the their game became antiquated or whatever so yeah i, I don't i don't see yeah it's hard to see him coming back from here i have to say yeah i mean he he had future star seemed to be painted on him when he came into the league and, and had that historic rookie season and and you can say, oh, well, those were the, the Kings who weren't very good. But, I mean, he's still putting up those numbers against uh, NBA competition. And that's what I don't like about the bad numbers. A good numbers and a bad team argument is that you're still doing it against NBA competition. So, I mean, maybe yeah. the opportunities are there, but you still have to get it done against your competition. Uh, yeah, but it never kind of panned out after that. And he's bounced around the league a little bit, uh, most recently with the with the Pacers, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah, and no, I'm trying to think of other players. And I, I think you know I, I'm inclined to agree because losing a couple of years when you're of, of your prime or the you know right there in your prime losing a couple of years is really detrimental and trying to make it back to the NBA after that I'm I'm trying to think of players who did it for one reason or another 
Uh, Bernard King missed a few years during because of injury and was able to come back and have a few good ones. Yeah. Uh, Michael Ray Richardson, of course, who was banned for uh, substance abuse back in the 80s uh, as he was becoming an all-star uh, and then was banned for life from the league. Um, that's, that's the whole situation there. Um, Damon Stoudemire, I guess, kind of peaked very early as well. Uh, in fact, uh, Damon Stoudemire had a quote during the 96 uh, All-Star Weekend during the rookie game saying you've got to enjoy this because you may never be back and <laughs> prophetically he wasn't actually so it's um yeah that's quite profound interesting, interesting quote that uh, has held up over over time i suppose and, and most yeah. recently of course uh, oj mayo who again we were talking before we started recording very similar situation where he's at that age where he's kind of towards the end of his prime years as, as lost a couple may not be able to make a comeback and, and again had his maybe his best season as a rookie and as and was talked about as a high prospect and possible first overall pick, of course, Derek Rose went that year. And he was actually eligible to come back this season, 2018-19. I remember a few years ago when we were recording the podcast, you talking about uh, making sure you saved a copy of the roster that he was in so you could ha- put him on the My League game, basically, because <laughs> uh, he hadn't been removed from the game. But he's been playing overseas. Um, of course, it's all overseas to us in Australia, but except the NBL, but he's not playing in the, He's been playing in... Uh, in um, in uh, Puerto Rico as well, and and also uh, Taiwan. Yeah, whether he comes back, and it could be a similar situation uh, for Tyreek Evans to, to Mayo. Yeah, I suppose um, Tyreek could probably go over to Europe or China, any one of those overseas leagues, and, you know, uh, end his career, I suppose, in that sense. But, um, yeah, I just I find it hard to see him coming back to the NBA. And um, as for OJ Mayo... Um, I think he's around like the early thirties mark. So 31, missing yeah. a few 31. 31. Okay. Yeah. Um, turning, so, 30, turning 32 this year. I just looked it up. Yeah. Okay. So he's kind of around that age where uh, missing one or two seasons is kind of pretty crucial because it's towards the end of the prime, like age, I suppose. Yeah. I kind of see prime as being like 25 to 30 in basketball terms. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so, so some yeah, longer, depending kind on, of, you know, the best of the best, I guess, last a little longer, but yeah, I mean, there, there are always like, uh, exceptions to the rule. Definitely. Uh, but I think also I want to add that, uh, for my, my league team, the Seattle supersonics, I actually did sign him on for the third season. Oh, but, nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't end up, uh, reporting that one in the thread, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an odd situation, and I guess, I don't know, um, I'm kind of hoping that, I, I suppose, Tyreek gets the help he needs, because obviously, if, if he tested positive to something like that, then he probably doesn't maybe need a little bit of help, mm. and uh, yeah, I hope he can get his career back on track, um, whether it be in the NBA or overseas. Absolutely, because at the end of the day, there is a a person behind that name and behind the name on the jersey. So hopefully, as you say, he can get the help he needs. Uh, and the other thing, as far as the NBA goes, you look at the turnover in players. I mean, I've do, doing the rosters for 2K11. Um, you know, yes, I'm still working on them. Um, <laughs> out when they're ready, not a moment sooner. Um, even though we are at the end of the season, but it, it's really made me realise how much uh, how much turnover there is, even after a few years in the league. Because um, I've made previous attempts at those current rosters even back as, as early as the 2016 season, and just seeing how many players from 2010-2011 had had moved on, you know, it, even if uh, if Mayo can still go and Tyreek Evans can still go, 
the new players are always coming into the league and there's a limited amount of roster spots. So yeah. the, the competition is fierce. So it's it's even if you're still pretty good, there may be other people coming along who are just as good or better and they've got the, they're a bit younger or they've got a better reputation or whatever. So, But, I mean, look at Stefan Marbury. I mean, you can finish out your career playing overseas and become beloved in that country and, and really carve out a legacy there. And as long as you're responsible with money and you know, look after your other personal business, I mean, it's the NBA doesn't have to be the uh, the be-all and all. Yeah, and even um, even the NBL is kind of pretty competitive at the moment as far as um, you know an overseas league is concerned. So oh, we've got yeah, Lamello, we've got there's Lamello always now. plenty of options. We've got the Lamelo Ball. Yeah, news. absolutely. Yeah. And um, hold on the heels of him, uh, Aaron Brooks signed. Yeah, with I saw the that. Illawarra Hawks Both as well. Illawarra so Hawks, yeah. um, he was a solid NBA player in his time, and it's kind of proof of you know the the fact that uh, you can be a really good player. Um, a solid NBA player and still not make the league. So, you know, I'm hoping they do. Obviously, make NBL 2K now, and uh, I'm just I'm just holding out for the the, re- <laughs> the retro teams. You know, we can have the bullets with uh, with Loggins. We can have the the Tigers with Gaze, and of course the '97 Falcons. Who can forget that team? But most people because they didn't really go anywhere. <laughs> but still, it's one of the first games I saw live. So we can maybe we can get that going. But I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about the off season as it happens. Um, but we are in the off-season, and not just the off-season for uh, the NBA, of course, but also NBA video games, basketball gaming. You know, as as the season ends, Kenny, I, I've always found that my enthusiasm wanes a little bit for the gaming. I mean, I've already played through a full season, almost two full seasons in my career in 2K19. It's, uh, that, that's a fair amount of gaming for nine months. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm in my third season at the moment in my career as well, and... You know, I've played a lot of NBA 2K19, whether it be my career or uh, my team. I've completed all the domination modes in my team. Uh, did the schedule challenge for the Denver Nuggets and the Boston Celtics. And a whole heap of other games in between, whether it be moments, challenges, weekly challenges, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm kind of at a loss at the moment to figure out where where the rest of my off-season is going to be as far as, like, uh, basketball gaming is concerned. Uh, so at the moment, I want to finish my second season because I'm almost at the end of the regular season there. So I want to get the back-to-back uh, championships. I want to make sure that I get to the Hall of Fame. I've got one more accolade to go. Um, so I got over 3,000 career assists now, which I'd calculated to be the, qualifi- the qualifying number, but apparently it isn't. So I have no idea what that six out of seven means it'd be nice if they actually had totals for that it would be a little bit clearer hmm. um so i'll have to see what that is i kind of don't think i can really make a third season to get the third all-star appearance i, I think i have to sim a bit to do that possible yeah so i might give that a shot you know because i'm I'm so close to getting it that i want to get it before i uh, put 2k19 aside um i've got a yeah. lot of pretty good cards in my team at the moment I, i've played less of it than you have so i've got a bit more to go with domination and everything did you say you finished domination yeah, I finished all three. Oh, nice. Yeah, so you've really been putting in the work in uh, in it uh, in this year because uh, because I've got the the pink diamond uh, Michael Jordan now, so I want to spend a bit more time with that. It's uh, it's a pretty fun card yep. to use, actually very very op. And we've we've seen some uh, some videos from our good friend ZZ <laughs> showing us some videos and just how <laughs> op some of his cards are, especially the opal. Got a, got an opal Hakeem one out of the pack the other day, which I was quite chuffed to get. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that, and I'm sure I will. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be able to spend a lot of time with Live 19. As, as I said in the last episode, when when Ben and I were giving our impressions of the 
uh, patch 1.25, it, it feels kind of like an NBA Live 10 patch number two situation. And it's, yeah, kind of unplayable right now, which is a shame because I would have liked to maybe spend a bit more time with that in the offseason and catch up on some things. But I don't really feel that inclined, unfortunately. I, I wanted to play it more NBA Live 19, but um, I played a, I played a little bit more of the league and I just found it was kind of not really enjoyable. Mm. Uh Maybe it's just the player build I have. I'm not used to playing point guard, and I think I think if you're going to make uh, like a center, it's probably a better idea to do it in NBA Live because the shot uh, meter is not great in that game. So yeah. the closer you can get to the basket, the better. Absolutely. Uh, it's not a really... I don't know. I, I've just been disappointed by NBA Live 19, and I haven't even downloaded the patch, and... I don't even know whether it's even worth downloading the patch at this point because I just I don't see I don't see myself playing it a whole lot until NBA Live 20. In fact, I don't even really see myself buying NBA Live 20 at this stage. I'm remaining optimistic and certainly hoping for the best, but I, on the whole, I would agree. I feel very disappointed. I think by Live 19, the focus on the one in the streets, in particular. I feel has left the NBA side of things neglected for far too long. I mean, that was already situated, already the case, the situation before Live 19, and it's only gotten worse with the current direction. Um, I've played some of the live events. I've had some fun with it, but especially after this last patch, I felt like this is just not playable. I, I played Ultimate Team, and yeah, I, I just <laughs> didn't really want to play anymore, unfortunately. And, and none of the modes have really hooked me as they did with Ultimate Team in Live 18. I had a lot of fun with Live 18. I know you did as well. And um, Yeah. I mean, it was the only NBA game I had, so um, I played quite a lot of it. And it's, it's funny because as much as I've complained about the, the stories and everything in my career, and I've certainly gone on at length in podcasts and articles about that, I find, find that the league... Not that I wanted to have some of the 2K stories because I found them you know, objectionable for whatever reason or... I've had my problems with them, but it, it kind of feels a bit dry. My, um, the one, the league mm. side of things, like it's it's not, and, and I think part of it is the icon path. I mean, I, I find that basically this, playing with the same build, the same kind of point guard build, the playmaking build, is a lot more fun. And I think it does go back to the shot meter as well. The shooting mechanics, I think, need some work, well, quite a bit of work actually. But it, it's just not fun in live and. It's not as bad to start over again with a new icon path, admittedly, but yeah, it just it just hasn't hooked me. There's nothing in the modes that really hooks me, and the gameplay is still a problem as well. I mean, don't get me wrong, that's that's paramount, but it, when it comes down to it, from all my complaints, all my complaints with my career, yeah, I, I do get drawn into it, and I once I finish my business here, I can see myself doing the same with my team and next year my league because I'd really like to get back to my league. I think there's just always something to do in NBA 2K19's my career mode. Because like if you're not playing, if you're not playing like the actual NBA games themselves, you can play like on the street. You can play in the rec center. You can spin the big wheel. You can play dodgeball if that's your thing. <laughs> you can take part in trivia, although that's kind of been discontinued from what I've seen uh, lately. But yeah, there's just it just always feels like there's something happening in my career. Whereas in the league you're kind of a bit more isolated, I suppose. And it's weird to think that I'm making an argument here for Always Online, but I think that Always Online element kind of makes my career feel alive and like you're a part of something. 
It, it does. It, it has its drawbacks, and I wrote about that in the Monday tip-off. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the new content coming through and the new content that comes through for my team, things like that, it, it is so important to have uh, to keep the, the game fresh and made fresh daily, kind of like old NBA Live 09 was. It's it's something that live has kind of gone away from, except for the live events. And if you don't really like live events, if you don't like that side of things, it's very limited. You could, it really needs to be doing more of it. You know, you bring up the rec center as well and walk on and pro am and everything. I, I think in previous years, especially with uh, 2K17, we played that game pretty much through the launch of 2K18 because we were so hooked on on the pro am mode. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, absolutely. And and, the, and this this off season, it's going to be interesting because we're kind of all playing solo at the moment because none of us really feel like getting on and playing multiplayer and not because we don't enjoy playing with each other but the game has not been very good online for the last couple of years and it doesn't seem to be getting much better in that regard so that was kind of the thing that held our interest during the off season was just playing together and playing with our players in in pro-am or walk-on and this year we just don't really feel you know that that element is gone and it's kind of a shame because that has as we've said before, so many fun nights, even if the games haven't gone that great sometimes. We've enjoyed at least getting on and giving it a go and chatting and everything, but uh, that incentive hasn't been there this year. We, we've given it, I think, as good of a try as we can with Walk-On and Pro-Am, but yeah, that, that is something that has kept our interest through the off-season that's probably not going to be there this year. I mean, I'm open to giving it another go, but I don't have high hopes that we'll have a great experience, sadly. Yeah, I mean, the program side of my career has definitely been very disappointing this season, and it's something that I kind of hope is restored in NBA 2K20, even though I don't have a whole lot of hope for Same. it, I suppose. Same, yeah. But, yeah, I guess it's one of those things where even when Pro-Am's kind of not at its strongest, there's still enough to do in my career, or at least... Uh, there seems to be still more to do than in the league. So I, yeah, I guess, I guess in that sense, I find it preferable. Absolutely. And again, I don't really see myself apart from maybe getting screenshots, really firing up live 19 that much during the off season to play it. I mean, I may give it another go and see if I can adjust to the new shot mechanics and the the shot adjustments, but I'm really not feeling them. So I have a feeling I know how that's going to go, unfortunately. So it's, it's, if anything, if, if I do play through to the release of the next games, it will be 2K19 because I still have the my career. I can still get into uh, to my team. I, I don't know if I'd really bother with a my league at this point. I think by the time I really get really, if unless I'm simulating a lot, by the time I really get into it, the new game's going to come out and it's going to feel like a bit of a waste. Whereas at least with my team, I've through locker codes, I've been able to put together a team, etc. So and there's kind yeah. of less less uh, investment, I think, with my team as well with the way the modes are set up compared to the season in my league. So I can see myself playing a lot more of that. Um, I, can, I could see myself playing the solo modes through to the release of, uh, of 2K20 and, and Live20. Um, but of course, that's not always the case. And it, you know, once you've played through the, the season, some of that appeal of playing with the uh, a game set in the season now over, I think some of the shine does come off a little bit. And that's maybe, I guess, the time to turn to other games. Or it could be even a time to create like a completely unrealistic season, like with historic teams and you know the like. That's so you a, could have yeah. like, um, you know, you could set, settle the debate once and for all and have like divisions with the with the ninety six balls or the you know the seventy three and nine 
uh, Warriors and, you know, all that kind of stuff and, like, pit all those historic players against, you know, the... From all from different eras as well, like you could have sixties, seventies, as far as it goes mm. back, all the way up to the current day. So, I mean, there's always that possibility. But I kind of know what you mean with the whole, um, you know, my league thing doing its dash after the season's over because I know I started one and I kind of I'm I'm hesitant to go back to it because I know that it's it's kind of dated now. And, and by the time you really get into it, I guess and unless you are simulating a lot, the new game's out and you kind of put it aside and then it's not wasted time because you still had fun with it, but I guess it leaves you with that unfinished business, which I don't know about you, but I always feel a little bit of uh, regret about that unfinished business on the virtual hardwood kind of thing. It's like, oh, you know, I was having fun with that and now I never really didn't play it through to fruition. And it's it's something that is very uh, typical of, of basketball games, more so than a game like, you know, one that we enjoy Fallout. You know, we can dust off Fallout 4 or 3 or New Vegas and go back and play that any time because the games come out years apart. So there's no pressure yeah. to really finish it within 12 months because we know any, anything we do. And then, of course, with the online stuff with my team and everything, you have to finish that within within two years, basically, because then the servers get shut off and then <laughs> you can't play it at all. So and then it starts all over again. Same with is my it- career. Is it the same deal with my team? Is that what happened to Phil eighty nine? Did he lose his um, his my league um, game because of its online nature? Because he used he, he had the expansion Supersonics, yeah, and uh, because oh, okay. uh, because it's, because that counts as online assets, even though they're downloaded, um, there must be so must have to call back to the server to make sure that it's still using the online assets or whatever, and, and yeah, then the then the save got locked and couldn't be changed to an offline server uh, offline save. So yeah, okay. that's so that's a problem. Are the my leagues then? Are they do they are they bound by the same kind of logic, or is it is it just ones where you download assets? I think only if you use the online assets. Okay. Yeah. So if you just use straight league, straight NBA um, league as it is with the default settings, default league and everything. Uh, yeah, or if you use the inbuilt assets, the Birmingham Barons and everything like that, um, San Diego Surf, etc. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's fine. It's, it's just an offline save. It has no online components. But if it has that online component of the downloaded asset, uh, yeah, it, it locks it with, when the when the server goes offline, which is something we didn't foresee. You know, we, you think about it in my career and my team, but it, yeah, apparently it happens in my league as well. And yeah, Phil found that out, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a shame. It's a shame he couldn't at least like go into it and like, you know, it would be okay if it, if he was given like an error message, and you know he was able to change the jerseys or any of the like missing assets or anything like that, mm. um, or maybe have them revert back to just like a generic kind of you know white uniform or you know something along those lines. I guess the uh, I'm thinking of the default placeholder OKC in NBA Live 09, <laughs> the default placeholder <laughs> logo and the uh, and the jerseys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's. Again, I guess an oversight, and we, we, we've we talked before about 2K's lack of communication about these matters as well, and the whole debacle when the 2K14 servers went off was caught everyone by surprise, unfortunately, So, which has led to at least, if nothing else, you get 27 months out of the servers now, whereas before it was yeah. 18. So you get two full seasons plus three extra months to uh, of a third season to kind of finish up your business, but it, it's hard to go back. But at the same time, I have gone back to other games in the in the off season. I mean, I went back to Live 06 a few times. You know, so you, you can go back to old favorites at least for some time, until until they start feeling yeah. really outdated, I suppose. 
I have, um, I think it's College Hoops 08 that I need to check out at some point. I managed to buy it secondhand from an EB. I think it was, yeah, a few months ago now. So I have that to kind of fall back on if I get bored with any of the current games. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to giving that a shot. It's, you know, and it's nice to be able to go back to an old favorite or check out something new. And the other thing, I suppose, is we've also got uh, 2K Playgrounds 2, although I just I just can't get into that. Yeah, it is a bit difficult, particularly since I have, um, you know, NBA Jam on Fire Edition so on uh, my PS3 still. Yeah. And I just don't see any kind of point of going to 2K Playgrounds because it's just, it's not as good. <laughs> It's it's not as good from the gameplay, and I think the other thing is, of course, having to grind up the ratings of all the players. Even if even if you unlock them with the DLC, which you know, that's a thing, that's how it goes these days, I suppose. But you, I think the added grinding to actually get everyone to their proper ratings, I, I think it's just too much work to actually have the game playable. And I've even noted in the I've seen it in the Facebook group for, for Playgrounds, the official Facebook group. It seems that a lot of interest in it has dropped off very quickly. Yeah, it seems that community isn't buzzing as much as it was before like i remember seeing uh posts pop up in my feed constantly about um playgrounds and i was just like oh my god these playgrounds players are so whiny but i just don't see them anymore so like um yeah i don't know it's uh it's kind of a shame because it has a lot of potential but i just i don't like the idea of grinding in an arcade game it should be something you can pick up casually not you know, you should be able to um, play as your favorite teams and favorite players in those kind of games and not have to rely on, um, you know, unlocking players because it kind of defeats the purpose of the entire game, in my opinion. It, it does, and as long as you've got the DLC, then you've got the pay-to-win pay mechanics to a certain extent because people can unlock the players, yeah, the, the better players, etc. I like the idea of the way the Jam used to do it, and... and I've seen this a lot. People say, oh, well, it's not the 90s anymore. It's not even the early 2000s anymore. I, I saw someone actually defend the League Pass for Mortal Kombat 11 under the it's not 2003 anymore. Like, well, it's not, but that doesn't mean the current system is a good way of doing it. You know, it's... I, I always wonder when well, when people defend that or microtransactions in 2K, it's it's like, really? You, you know this is working against your best interests, right? It's... Yeah. It really boggles the mind that people will defend something that screws them over so much. But anyway... Uh, if they do the jam way and you've just got to, by all means, have unlockable players because jam always did that as well, or various jam games have done that. So if you want to unlock your Michael Jordan or some of your legends or the better players or some of the bonus players like a, a Cleveland LeBron when he's in Los Angeles now, obviously, or, or a Heat LeBron, if you want to unlock those bonus players, I think that's a better way of doing it and it gives you an incentive to play through. But have a good amount of players on every team unlocked at the beginning. Because uh, that way there's, there's less grinding, and I, I just can't be bothered grinding. When my cousin came down, we played it, and we had some fun playing two-player. But I was like, you know what, I'm just going to pay the 10 bucks or the 15 bucks or whatever and get the get the unlocks. You know, We're not going to play this enough to unlock everyone we want to play with, so I'm just going <laughs> to pay it, which is a shame that it comes to that, because I hate being a part of the problem. But they yeah. kind of force your hand when it's so blatant like that. And it's uh, they've certainly gone full t- 2K with it, I'll give you th- that much. Yeah, I I was kind of worried about 2K's influence on Playgrounds um, before it came out. And, you know, sure enough, there are kind of ways in which 
they are being influenced by by um by 2K. You can kind of see it. I saw it initially when you could kind of uh you you could spend like real life money on the currency they have in that game or I think yep. that's how it worked anyway. They had yep. some form of like um VC or whatever it was called in that the, game and yeah, the baller bucks you can get. You can't buy the baller bucks. They're earned in game and they they get yeah. players and the the golden bucks which are basically VC. In fact, they're even labeled VC yeah. in the PlayStation Store. Basically, uh, that's what you use <laughs> to unlock uh, the uh, the roster unlock is bought with those, and also uh, the court items and and any kind of cosmetic items. The court editor is a nice idea, but it's useless because nothing unlocks at the start. You've got to unlock it with golden bucks. So it's yeah, that that, that was yeah. a huge that was a huge misstep in my opinion. Yeah, and in a way, that's kind of more pay to win than what 2k has at the moment kind of like i at least that's kind of the way i see it anyway because you're paying for i guess those you kind of you're paying to bypass all that grind whereas you know 2k at least limits it in some point with the whole um you know cap breakers and everything like that so yeah in a way it's kind of more it's worse in playgrounds if you look at it in that sense it is and i think the fact that in NBA, you can actually play with all the NBA 2K. You can play with all the NBA players out of the box and a bunch of legends as well. So, you know, you don't have, yeah, to, un- you yeah, don't have to unlock a bunch of content just to play the primary game modes. Uh, yeah, I think they they haven't got a good formula there, and it's it's a way that Jam has remained unsurpassed. Uh, also, I think that uh, you know, and I I don't just say this because he was kind enough to come on the podcast, but I also think uh, Tim Kitzrow's commentary leaves Playgrounds commentary in the dust. You know, it's not a contest. Oh at yeah, all, absolutely. At all, unfortunately for. Like, guys, no disrespect to Iron Eagle and you know the, the YouTubers who have, you know, because it's pretty cool they brought in the YouTubers and gave them some exposure like that. But that's just not uh, Mr. Boomshakalaka, basically. It's not the Baron. Um, but Con- contrary to you, I want to disrespect the YouTubers. No, I'm kidding. They're all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, controversial shots fired. Um, <laughs> you know, you bring up an interesting. Nah, nah. You do bring up an interesting point there about 2K. Uh, because we have complained about VC, and it, it has its issues, but after a while, VC becomes less of a problem than my points, than XP, because it's, yeah. it, they've, they've worked out it takes about 800 hours to get to 99 overall or something like that, which is a monumental grind, basically. I mean, I, I built yeah. up 300,000 VC, which is how I was able to get some of my team boxes, with the Jordan boxes, but I, was, you know, I saved that VC for... I knew I was saving it for a reason, and it <laughs> paid off in the end. Um, but but that is the and I think that's that's also why I'm uh, with, with my te- with my team next year if, with two K twenty if I'm not playing my career I don't know how I'm going to earn enough VC to get it because if there's one thing if there's mm. one good thing about my career is that after you do hit those cap breakers you can build up a lot of VC if you're still playing it a lot um, as as you yeah. know so that's that is the good thing about that but it, it is funny that after a while VC doesn't become a problem it's 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 actually getting the cap breaker grinding. Yeah, and I think, um, like, in a way, for me, the pay-to-win model is more in my team than in my career. Um, I, ca- I guess that's kind of where I differ from a lot of people because the way I see it, the way you get better in my team kind of lends it more to microtransactions because the way you get better there is to buy packs yep. because the more packs you buy, the better players you get. Like, if you buy a box, you're probably guaranteed to you know, pull at least one of the cards that's been advertised on the pack because you have 10 chances at it. And um, 
you know, in my experience of buying a box, um, you know, for NBA 2K19, I bought one of the Jordan ones. Sure enough, I got the Diamond Jordan. Yeah. So, um, you know, even if it's a one in ten shot, um, yeah, like so. I guess that's how how you kind of win in uh, my team. Whereas in in my career, it kind of feels a little bit more balanced. Like you can only get up to a certain point, and then you actually have to play a lot more. So you, you, you don't. Grind, yeah. Yeah, you're not necessarily overpowered before you play a game, essentially. Absolutely, absolutely, and. And to your point, I, I with the three hundred thousand VC, I got a couple of the twenty boxes, the twenty card boxes, and mm-hmm. in back to back pulls, got the diamond Jordan and then the pink diamond Jordan. So you know, if you do spend, if you you know get the boxes, obviously that that is how you do it. But if I hadn't been playing my team and get all that VC to spare, you know, how do you uh, you know I would have had to pay probably, you know, to get the yeah uh, absolutely to get the uh, to get the VC, to get to get the boxes, so it is definitely, and it, and it is also obviously that the controversy of loot boxes and gambling because packs do not have a guarantee. I mean, if you buy VC to upgrade your player, in my career, not that I'm advocating doing it, and I'm I didn't do it this year, but if you upgrade your attributes, you that's that's what you're getting. You're getting what you're paying for, basically. Yeah. Whereas with my team, not so much, or not necessarily. Hey, hey, what? what wait. Don't you mean surprise mechanics? Oh, surprise mechanics! Well, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. No one's got a very good attitude in the uh, developers these days. <laughs> Certainly, the suits. We've got some interesting. Uh, so we've got recurrent revenue and surprise mechanics. Interesting terminology, you know. It's uh, I, I I didn't steal that, Kenny. I I creatively borrowed it or temporarily borrowed it, you know. So yes, I might. Uh add to 2k's recurrent revenue when i get my temporary refund adjustment mm, yes yes abso- absolutely and there uh so so how, so it's not grinding because grind, grinding is, is is too negative uh what, what do we call that oh um Got work to win work to win i don't know that's kind of I don't know. That's that seems a little too straightforward. That has to be a little bit more like got, uh, we've got we've got to jazz it up a little bit. Um yeah, grinding. Yeah, absolutely. If uh, if any of our listeners have any ideas, feel free to shoot us a comment or you know uh, a tweet. Let yes. us know what you think the next uh, the the term should be for grinding. The next the next marketing gimmick, yeah, for for grinding because that's we we've got to change the stigma on that. Uh, I mean, we we could change yeah, the, we could change the grinding mechanics, but <laughs> no, let's just dress them up a different way. Um, <laughs> uh, cynicism aside, uh, of course, you know the. I, I mean, I look at the, the games this year. Live nineteen's been a disappointment. Two uh, K nineteen. I mean, you didn't play two K eighteen, but uh, or, or didn't get the full version. Two uh, K eighteen felt like such a disappointment, especially with the way they approached microtransactions and whatnot. Two uh, K nineteen has felt pretty fun for me this year. I mean, I've put so much time into it; it has had me hooked. Uh, admittedly, I was I got hooked on my career because we were going to give online another go, and then that fell through. But but even after that, it's felt very fulfilling and, and doing the second season where i'm just trying to set all kinds of crazy records um it's just been a refreshing change of pace so I'd, i would like to get back to a bit more of a realistic base in uh, in my league where you can actually play realistically and win and or succeed because you don't have to grind badges with ridiculous grindy uh bring up 100 points or whatever to get uh, the badge progress but i mean i i've enjoyed it and i think if, if you can enjoy at least one game 
uh, in the in the cycle, it's it hasn't been too bad of a, an investment. Yeah, I think uh, I think two K nineteen in many aspects has been a solid return to form. Uh, from what I've heard, two K eighteen was a bit disastrous in a few areas. Yep. So I think uh, I enjoyed two K nineteen a lot. I'm still playing it. Uh, as far as what my current activity, it's pretty much just doing the triple threat o- offline mode at the moment, just trying to build up some MT, and uh, it's a good way to get tokens as well because I think you can. I think in every triple threat, there's about five teams, so it's like essentially the amount of teams in a division, and mm-hmm. then you can get six tokens at the end of uh, when you fin when you've defeated all those teams. So that's kind of a way I'm building up MT and tokens at the moment. And the three players I'm playing with, uh, they've got diamond contracts on them, so I'm not using up any contracts with nice. that. So, so it's a, it's kind of a, a, been a pretty efficient way for me to, uh, I guess, grind up my my points, no MT and tokens. So. Um, do you have any diamond contracts in my team at the moment? Yeah, I use them up on my pink diamond MJ. I use them up my MJ and Pip basically, so I could always have them around. Okay. So, yeah, I got I got, I got lucky right. with a couple of locker codes. And again, I, I think locker codes have been done so much better this year. I've said it before. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I saw someone on I don't know if it was Twitter or Reddit say we need to go back to the old way of locker codes and like why? Because they weren't fair or good at all. So. Uh, Nah, that person's an idiot. Sorry, uh, I have to say it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some people that, again, seem to be working against the interests of themselves and their fellow gamers. Just, oh, it's handing out too much. Like, well, better than not handing out anything at all, because they're supposed to, I at think least, you know. Those we- those type of players are probably, um, they they were able to kind of get, get in the ground floor, and I'm, I I can kind of see, like, you know, if you're, if you're somebody who kind of stayed up all night to get one of those timed codes or... Um, sorry, you know, one of those limited kind of codes or whatever. I can kind of understand that argument because, you know, you kind of feel like you've put in the hard yards or whatever to, you know, to get, like, the exclusive content. But at the same time, everybody should be able to get that content, whether, you know, not all of us are able to stay up until 3 a.m. or, you know, whenever the codes are released. So put everybody on an equal playing field and that's what they've done this year it's kind of elitist really yeah absolutely and uh, i don't i think we've had a bit too much of that in the basketball gaming sphere so less of that and yeah more i think they have yeah done a really good job with the locker codes this year and and commend them for that uh pulling back after because they they were supposedly doing that a couple of years ago i mean ronnie got on 2k tv and said that so they they finally delivered, I guess, after... Yeah. All, all it took was a bunch of review bombing of 2K18 for them to finally play fair. So, hey, there you go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I too think that I'll be playing 2K19, as I said, and it really does speak to the, the need to have deep modes because you can continue to, continue to play it through, you know, if you play along with the NBA season, even when that season is over, as it is now, you've still got business to do. And I guess every game has unfinished business to a point unless you're playing the game professionally, I, su- I suppose, but... You can still get your, your mileage out of it, and I think uh, you and I have probably done that this year with, with 2K19. You can continue to do that as the off-season progresses. Um, of course, the previous season starts for us soon. Well, I say soon. It could probably be August before we start getting information. Uh, 
uh, NBA Live or EA Sports just unveiled what they've been doing with uh, the, the charitable causes with the with the canvas, with the, with the courts and, and what they're doing with the kids with uh, with that this um, this past week. Unfortunately, a lot of people thought it was uh, going to be something to do with NBA Live Twenty, which uh, got people a bit upset. Yeah, but I mean, how upset can you be when it's for a charitable cause? Well, that's right. I mean, well, I guess we we know what a game is going to be like. I suppose, but <laughs> yeah, um, and it was a joint venture with that uh, with NBA Cares, uh, and and what they're doing for for the kids there. I guess this also speaks to a, a big problem we have during the previous season with basketball games is that people make assumptions, and when they don't deliver an assumption that was never promised, they get upset. And yeah, I, I think absolutely, that, that, that is a big problem that we have is that if if it's not announced and not specifically announced, and we expect that it's kind of on us to say, well, we, we, you know, this, this was never actually promised, so how upset can you get? Um, but it's a great community initiative that they're, that they're doing, and I'm sure the NBA Live 20 news will be coming soon. Uh, of course, there's a speculation it will be cancelled. Uh, that's probably never going to go away with Live until they really get back into the, the swing of things. Uh, I'm guessing August, maybe when we first start getting our real look at the game, maybe late July, uh, it's something that we'll be covering, obviously, here at the uh, the NLSC and on the podcast and news articles, etc. But as far as our expectations at, at this time, uh, I still think, Kenny, that this needs to be a huge year for Live, for Live 20, that it needs to have that another big jump in gameplay and uh, and modes and really head into the next generation strong. Yeah, and I think, you know, revising what I said earlier about possibly not buying NBA Live 20. I can kind of seeing I can kind of see it being like uh a big step up because there's always there always seems to be a game in between two really good ones that is just kind of a bit of a disappointment and maybe that's NBA Live 19 mm. because I know um you've stated in the past that you didn't think 2K14 was a very good game yeah. but 2K13 and 2K15, from my experience, was were both very good. Agreed. So um, I'm hoping that's the case for NBA Live 19. So maybe there is um, you know, a reason for optimism for NBA Live 20 in that sense. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that, a, a, as you say, that it has been a disappointing year in between a couple of better games. Sometimes they try something that doesn't pan out, and maybe it's the direction with the focus on the streets this year with Live 19 yeah. or some of the adjustments with shooting. Uh, it happens. I think with Live there is that sense of urgency because it has been such a rough decade plus for them, I suppose. Yeah, Going it's been a, couple... a tough transition for sure. And, and that really started with the Xbox 360 version of Live 06. So it's been a couple of generations now where Live has been losing its footing and, and lost the lead in sales to 2K and the certainly the the, the support of fans and and the the Metacritic scores basically the reception wasn't as positive either so they lost 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 face and sales over, over the past uh, ten years or so so it does feel like every every it feels like every live that doesn't get there is another step closer to the bubble bursting maybe I, I you know if, if that's the right uh, phrase to use or you know I don't want to be so melodramatic as to say one step closer to the end but. Every year, mm. every year that they can't catch up is more lost ground. I suppose is is where I'd put it. So it's why I want to see Live Twenty be such a a big comeback for the, for the game. And I, I want to remain optimistic because I, I think they've got a pretty good foundation in a lot of things, a lot of senses. But 
at, at the same time, I want to see them push forward and really, really get the overdue stuff in. You know, bring back the deeper roster editing. There's a thread on Twitter that I, I retweeted uh, that uh, that a few, few of our uh, you know community members are talking about and what what was in the game 15 to 20 years ago and some of it that's not in the game today. And it's we, we've, there's been a case of next year, next year for so many years now and patience that we do need to be patient because you can't do, there's only so much you can do within one development cycle, but at the same time, patience has been stretched very thin and, and people have been patient for a long time and it's, it's sometimes hard to remain optimistic. It is a bit hard. And I think that's kind of a reason why I've, I guess, soured a little bit on NBA Live in the last uh, few months or so because I I had a really good experience in NBA Live 18 Same, and yeah. I found it to be, you know, I found the league to be really enjoyable and, you know, there are other elements of that game that were really fun as well, like um, uh, Ultimate Team was fun in 18. Yep. Yep. I really enjoyed uh, the WNBA Play Now mode. I enjoy it in 19 as well, but it's kind of it, like the novelty kind of wore off in 19 because that was all we could do with the WNBA teams. We couldn't do full season mode. I think, for me, the key for NBA Live coming back as a fresh game uh, kind of relied on uh, the WNBA content being expanded upon into season modes. And, you know, unfortunately for lives, um, you know, unfortunately for live 2k has, has gotten, uh, has gotten the rights to WNBA now. So my fear would be that they actually implement a season mode before live do, because like that would be, um, I mean, that would be kind of be disastrous, I think, considering like they were, you know, the pioneers of actually getting the content in the first place. D- definitely. And we've talked about that on previous shows, but I'm glad you brought that up because uh, TG So Good actually brought up a point in the forum. Uh, and I hadn't really considered it because as soon as they talked about uh, 2K getting WNBA players, that was my immediate thought. Okay, 2K is going to get them. They're going to put in a season mode or something, and it's going to be more than live has done in two years with the license. But it's been brought up in the forum that there's a possibility that 2K doesn't actually do that. I mean, they haven't really done that much with the historical teams compared to what they were doing earlier in the in the uh, you know earlier this decade with the Jordan Challenge and NBA's Greatest. They're just kind of there, and they're losing more and more players every year. Uh, Chris Bosh is not on the 2013 Heat, for example, or the 2014. Yeah. So I mean, there are missing players there, then, and there's more and more uh, copy and paste uh, placeholder players on the historical teams. So I hadn't really thought of the possibility that 2K wouldn't do it. I mean, I saw the suggestion that they're just getting it for part of the My Career story, which I think would be a tremendous waste if that's all that 2K does. I mean, I'm not saying that's definitely not going to be the case because 2K has had its own missteps over the years. But imagine that if 2K did get the license only just to have them be exhibition teams or or even not even playable. Maybe they just have avatars in the, the playground or or something like that, or with my career story. Um, as much as 2K has got so much content already that much more than life has, but just simply by having the historical teams, yeah, I never really thought about the possibility that 2K could waste it as well, but I, I guess that's possible. It is, and um, as cynical as this might sound, I kind of felt that 2K getting the rights to WNBA content kind of felt like a bit of a flex to me. Like, okay, this is one area that NBA Live have us in, now we have it, you know, now the 
now it's their turn. Now it's live's turn to, you know, try something else that we don't have. So, um, yeah, I, I really hope that 2k doesn't waste it. I can, I could see it just being like a roster edition. And I think that would be really disappointing, but, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I think, um, I'm hoping that it's a shot in the arm that live needs in order to kind of expand the content because now that they've seen that, okay, 2k has it now, we really need to do something with it before they do. Mm. And and if it, that is the benefit of competition that they can drive each other to actually do something. And I mean, there were jokes about it and, you know, bad jokes about a WNBA live or WNBA 2k over the years, you know, which we don't need to give credit to give uh, much attention to. But there was obviously interest in having a WNBA game. Now, whether the sales, whether the, the idea was that they wouldn't really support a standalone game as sales, a concern to really justify it, but having it as part of the uh, of NBA, an NBA game and having those separate modes is uh, a great way of doing it. And we've seen that there is a market for it. I think there was a positive response to the WNBA in, in NBA Live. And yeah, so it's definitely worth doing. But if you don't have that mode, like like as you said, you know, from personal experience, the you, you lose interest because there's only so many exhibition games you can play before you really think, well, that's you know, the, nothing counts here, and it's fun for a while, but there needs to be something that feels like it's worth doing in the game, something with stakes, and you can't have that with just play yeah. now. And I think there's a big opportunity for either company to kind of promote the WNBA in that sense because how many people have picked up like have followed the NBA because of a video game that they've played. Like um, I think for the, in the nineties, it would have been something like NBA jam or something like that. Whereas now it's when people pick up 2k, maybe they don't watch the NBA in real life and maybe enjoying 2k leads them to becoming like fans of the sport. Absolutely. So I think there's like that opportunity for people who don't necessarily know a whole lot about the WNBA to kind of learn about it through, you know, a game like NBA Live 20 or NBA 2K20. So I think, yeah, there's there's a massive opportunity there to help the the league grow. And if you don't have a full standalone league mode or my career or whatever for my league or anything for for uh, for the for WNBA players might we see them in my team? I mean, that would at least be using... I mean, if they're not playable in the game, I think that's a waste, regardless. Yeah. If, if at the very least, if they're playable in my team, that's 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 something. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I think it would be cool to... where It would be cool in my team to have, like, particular modes that, like, mm. particular... Uh, whether it be, like, domination or even challenges, it could be, like, a... Uh, this challenge requires a team entirely out of WNBA players in order to play in it. Yeah. That would be cool. Like a, a and, w, um, WNBA mode within there. You could have historical, much like historical domination, you could have the historical and WNBA modes in, in my team. Absolutely. Yeah. And you could also have like moments challenges where it kind of, because I know 2K and NBA Live are going to be released probably after the season ends. Um, if my memory serves me correct, so they could probably inbuilt like they could probably build in some of those moment challenges 
pretty much straight away for the WNBA because they'll know how the season pans out. That's right. And, and of course, they could also then put the put new challenges through because the WNBA season is going on now. So that mm. could be new content that comes through during the off-season. You've still got people playing the game during the off-season, people hyped and invested in the game. It's, it's a way of, of keeping that... Uh, keeping that attention on the game and the player retention through the down months of the off season. So I, th- I think you could, it, uh, it's, there's a lot you could do with the NBA license, the WNBA license, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really hope that at least one of the companies takes advantage of it. Do you think we'll ever see a challenge mode for the, for the retro teams again? Um, challenge mode. So what do you mean? Like, like a Jordan's what specifically like a Jordan's greatest, like a, like a Jordan Challenge or NBA's greatest, um, kind of like a mode where you you have to. T- I mean, you, I suppose there's, there's historical domination, but you know if you're not into my team, then that's not going to be for you. But kind of like a standalone mode where you've got to either unlock retro teams or you've got to take on complete certain challenges, like in the Jordan Challenge, you've got to to beat the game to unlock content, things like that. Do you think we'll ever see anything yeah. that actually like utilize the retro teams apart from just being there for for my league and, and, and custom play like that? I I would like to think that there is an opportunity to use that kind of, or like at least a market for that, but I don't see it happening because like I'm trying to think, what what's the incentive to play that mode? Do you, would you get VC? Like would you, what kind of content would you unlock? Because I don't think that, unlocking rosters would be enough of an incentive for you know the core fan base to play through those modes so i'd kind of if it was say if you were to do a michael jordan challenge and the and like the reward for that challenge was like a michael jordan card or something like that i could see it working in that sense but um yeah i just i don't know it's a tricky one i suppose I, my my doubts about the mode because I'd love to see it obviously and I think it'd be a great use of the retro content, but I feel that there isn't the same nostalgia these days among the core fan base. Yeah. I mean, you look at the whole, you know, and this is getting to the whole plumbers and dentists debate and everything, and you know, I could do my old man rant about not having respect for the old days and all that kind of stuff. But to a certain extent, <laughs> I think when in 2010 when NBA 2K11 came out, there was I think. The, the core audience, we were still very much in the middle of the core demographic age-wise. So people our age, there, there was more nostalgia among the core group of gamers for the 90s and those earlier decades, whereas now it's perhaps not as much. So you, you, the, even to the point where a lot of talking heads are, you know, your, your Ryan Hollandses and whatnot of the world are talking down and uh, about <laughs> the previous uh, generations and even Kobe Bryant, who was playing up until 2016, for crying out loud. Um, so I, I think maybe some of that nostalgia isn't there. So who is it appealing to, which is kind of what you're getting into. But at the same time, I hadn't thought of that, and it's, it's very true what you say, is what is the incentive to do it? I mean, do you unlock a card for my team? Do you get a bunch of VC? I think it would have to be that as well. I think there would have to be a, a strong incentive to actually play through it. Because um, I remember those retro challenge modes were obviously great in 2K11 and 2K12. The wrestling games used to have them as well, so I think you've got. If you can tap into that nostalgia, you can. But it's, uh, you know, you should absolutely do it. And I think it'd be fantastic. But yeah, I don't know. On, on top of offering a suitable reward, whether it would actually have that widespread appeal, because uh, you know, pe- people if they're not really feeling, you know, looking back, if they're looking back and saying, "Oh, that that sucked," which is ridiculous. I think there was 
good things did come. The good things happened in the world before 2015, people. Um, not just in basketball, <laughs> not just in basketball, and in music and entertainment, and a lot of other things as well. Uh, but if, if, if there is that, there is that kind of backlash against nostalgia at the moment, then I think perhaps makes it hard to justify putting the resources and time into it. Yeah, I mean, it's something I would kind of like to see in the game, but at the same time, I don't know if it was billed as like a major mode. I could kind of see myself uh, playing it, and maybe even if it was like a part of my team. I think it 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 all depends on how it's packaged. Like if it's if it's if it's its own standalone mode, I don't see a lot of people kind of going into it and being like, "Hey, this is what I'm going to play," kind of exclusively. Mm. But if it were say um, as a part of my team, as like a I don't know, as one of the if they had like player challenges or something along those lines, like they have moments challenges or schedule mm. challenges, um, I could see it working in that context. I just don't see it in a standalone context like it used to be. I suppose it comes down to how the way gaming has changed as as well. But gaming, gamers' attitudes, all that kind of thing. I'd love to see it though, just to do maybe yeah. we'll, maybe we'll see a bit more, see. bit more attention paid to the ratings and the teams. Those old teams. I mean, some of them are missing some pretty notable key players. Uh, I'm always surprised they put the 2004 Pistons in when they couldn't get Rasheed Wallace, which I know they can get other players from that team, but it always seemed like he was such a big part of that team that it's... Uh, yeah, he he kind of helped push them over the line that year. <laughs> over the hump, absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> so as we look ahead to, again to the previous season, there's going to be a lot of uh, developer blogs that eventually at some point, and it's it's always hard to... You know, you got to sort out the hype and the rumors from from how it's uh, how it's actually going to be, and I remember last year with a lot of stuff with the two K nineteen gameplay blogs directly contradicting things they said in two K eighteen. It, it is getting kind of hard to really cut through the uh, the marketing BS and, and even the uh, glossing over certain issues. Uh, I mean, the whole, all the the issues with the new movement system in, that was implemented in two K eighteen. There was stuff they were talking about that was going into 2K18 and they were saying, oh, it's uh, it's intentional, It's this is the way it's supposed to be, this is why we re- don't have the uh, shot meter on layups and this it's and missing, you'll miss layups in this situation. Then they came out in 2K19 and said, well, we kind of had to do a Band-Aid fix because of the problem with the inside defense with the new motion system, so we had layups miss intentionally just because. And so all the things they said about it before turned out to be band-aid fixes for a problem they discovered too late to really do anything about when they put in the new system so it's even getting hard to trust some of the the developer blogs these days yeah and i think there's like a lot of information that kind of gets put out during the the preview cycle that i think you have to be skeptical about because a lot of it is kind of done purely for marketing purposes like one that i always kind of recall is the whole idea that every stadium has been recorded so that the ball it sounds like like the basketball sounds different in like in oracle than it does in bloody chesapeake or you know whatever and i I kind of thought so what like i don't really like my attention to detail in basketball games isn't that uh you know i don't have that great attention to detail when it comes to the sound of basketballs or the sound of the crowd or anything like that to me that's all just kind of 
I I want it to all kind of be standardized or like fairly generic because mm. that's not what necessarily matters to me. What matters is the gameplay and you know whether players are going to clip through each other or whether I'm going to be able to make layups or um, whether I'm able to block dunks or you know Absolutely. any Absolutely. of those kind of things. Like so, I think. In the previous season, you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt in that sense because, um, yeah, I mean, all the stadium sounding different and being unique and everything like that, it, it's all great on paper, but are you really going to notice it? Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a great example because I would have to say I don't recognize it, and I've played a lot of 2K19, <laughs> which I'm guessing still has that in there, allegedly. And I haven't really noticed a difference because once you throw in the crowd sounds and the commentary and everything, maybe if you turn the commentary off, you might notice it a bit more. I don't know. But yeah, it's I, I haven't noticed it to the point where I think this is really changing the atmosphere. I mean, you get some different crowd chants. And I think that's that's important. And it's nice to have those different, different yeah. atmosphere settings and, and visually and uh, and the and audio as well. But but like you say, you, you don't really notice it that much. And, and you, you notice other issues with the gameplay or the game modes a lot more. So it does seem kind of, it's nice, but it's and it's a great marketing idea of look at how deep we've got into this presentation, but it's kind of in, inconsequential at the end of the day. And yeah, I, I, I'd forgotten all about that, actually. To, to your point, I, I'd forgotten all about, that was, that was one of the things that they stressed, because <laughs> you don't really notice it. And do you remember at the beginning of the generation with 2K14 on Xbox One and PlayStation 4, with the, um, what was the, the name of the... Ecomotion, that was the engine they were, they were debuting. Uh, and, and they said that no no move is going to look the same twice. And, <laughs> I mean, you may be able to break it down frame by frame and it might do, but I never noticed that. It was it was never, you know, I, I think it was a lot like the Ignite engine with with EA and NBA Live has promised a lot of things that just haven't come to fruition. I mean, it, it speaks volumes that it's now been replaced by a new engine in 2K. So that, yeah. may, be, you know, that, that may speak volumes about... And that was not necessarily the way of the future eco motion, so it, it is hard to, to not to, to not get caught up in that, or you really got to try not to you know, put too much stock in some of these things and really wait until you get hands on impressions of uh, of the game. And of course, the other thing, people dropping all kinds of fake information just for the the clicks, and you you, you see the who uh, you, you can you can picture the, <laughs> the the thumbnails now on YouTube, can't you, with the you know the the surprised face and the screenshot from last year's game and NBA Live to replace basketball with beach ball question mark question mark you know just uh, and and then, then it'll be ten minutes of them not even talking about that and at the end oh no it's probably not going to happen well thank you for that clickbait video but um, yeah yep, so, just enough time for you to work in that ad for the revenue <laughs> so, something we try and avoid here at the NLSC uh, not to say we haven't made errors and reported things erroneously at times but I do post retractions so you know go me. Um, but it, it's going to get crazy, obviously, and probably just as crazy as the NBA offseason, actually. Yeah, um, so I guess we all have to kind of keep our eyes peeled and us, essentially treat everything with a bit of skepticism unless it's released by NBA 2K or, you know, it's released officially. So and I think... You, uh, and even then, you've got to cut through some of the, uh, the BS, I guess, sometimes to... Yeah, because um, another... Another campaign I remember them running was the one for all the historic teams, which, you know, again, sounded great on paper, but um, it's kind of 
I remember having the thought that, oh, yeah, people are going to use those for all of 20 minutes during, you know, the entire cycle of the game. Um, the rest is going to be pretty much around my career and, you know, my team and all those different modes. So that's what I want to know about. Stuff that makes some money that's going to be focused on. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we wrap up and as we glance ahead again to the previous season, which is who knows when it's really going to officially tip off, probably July at the very earliest, mid to late July, August is quite often these days. Uh, we'll have plenty to talk about in the in the LLC podcast in the coming weeks, regardless of what happens with the preview season and the NBA off season. And of course, remember you can suggest topics for us to talk about relating to to basketball, gaming, or Fallout. You know, I'll talk Fallout, Kenny. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> what are you hoping to see in the previous season for uh, for Live Twenty and Two K Twenty? What's going to perhaps move the needle or get you hyped? Because I, I think we've been doing this for so long and been playing the games for so long that. In my mind, the things in my mind is gone. Um, no, um, <laughs> there, there's my musical reference for the uh, for this week. Um, just changing up the genres all the time. But what, what's going to get you really invested in Live 20 and 2K20? What, what do you want to hear? So at this stage, I don't think 2K20 has to do all that much. Mm. Um, the main concerns for 2K20 are always going to be around microtransactions, and I don't see them addressing that in a way that's going to necessarily appease people who are skeptical about that whole model. Mm -hmm. So um, I think I think the answer is a lot more complicated when it comes to 2K because, um, yeah, I think they necessarily, they, they need to do, like, stuff more under the hood than, you know, any sweeping changes. NBA Live, on the other hand, they really need to kind of bring it as far as uh, franchise modes are concerned, uh, maybe even Live Ultimate Team kind of go back to what they had in NBA Live 18 because Live 19 didn't really work. Agreed. And I think I think they need, like... Obviously, the one's probably going to get a lot of attention again because I think that's kind of the hook, or at least the hook they're going for. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see it as a great hook at this stage because my career is just far more encompassing. And I think while 2K is dominating that space, Live needs to go into a new space. And um, like that's where, that's where I think you know they can capture back a lot of the crowd with like franchise or you know something more nba related but um the third thing i want to see is um how they plan on using the WNBA license i think that's um that's important for me because i the only thing that would really get me excited about nba live 20 would be a full season mode in the WNBA purely because it's something I've never done before and um, new experiences in video games are very important. And you have to be innovative. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I tend to agree. Uh, I think 2K20, with 2K, after a bit of course correction up to 2K18, I think they're on a pretty good path. I mean, it remains to be seen whether they try and push the luck again with microtransactions, but... It's one of those things that, like you say, they probably won't address during the previous season. It'll be come down to maybe even not even the prelude, 
because we saw how they kind of hid that in 2K18's prelude of how the microtransactions were going to be with haircuts and everything. So, you know, it, it may not be until a full game where we realize the extent of that. Uh, one thing I do hope that they uh, do with the game and can also bring, let us know during the previous season, what I'm hoping to hear at least, things like 2K Pro-Am, because even if I am moving away from it, I'd still be interested in, you know, if, if we do have interest within the group of checking it out, then I do hope that they bring back things like uh, the the minimum of three just to play a game and better matchmaking. I think if they start talking about things like that, that we've been saying for years that this needs to happen with the online modes, if they start to address those issues and, and mention that they've addressed those issues, that's going to get my attention more than, again, them talking about different uh, sound effects of the way the ball bounces. So that's going to be much more exciting to me. Uh, live, absolutely. I want to hear that they are improving the modes as well as the gameplay and that it is really going forth and being the best possible game, you know, the game of the generation, basically. This is the last... What is, is next year the new consoles are coming out? The projected? 2020? Yeah, I think 2020 is when the PS5 is coming out, potentially. So basically, this is going to be the last game they have with this current generation that's going to be the current generation. And if if they do what they did last generation, they're probably not going to stop supporting the previous generation as well with live and i mean that's my speculation don't take that as a report here just what you know thinking out loud but I, I want to hear that the other thing i want to hear from live really detailed breakdowns and developer blogs like they used to have like what 2k does with their developer blogs because if you look back at what we've got in the last couple of previous seasons with live it's been their deep dives have not been that really deep and we've got more deep dives about things like the clothes you can wear and the courts and how they've captured the courts and again it it's great work has gone into that, but it reminds me a lot again of ball bouncing sound effects. Basically, it's yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to hear about clothes in a basketball game. This is not a Barbie dress up game. Uh, some might say, <laughs> some might even sell it to their most hardcore fans. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but I mean that that stuff is fine to mention because I know that's part of the culture of the game and everything. But I think you need to. There needs to be more words written, more previews posted about gameplay and game modes and hopefully with good news of the depth of both uh, than there is about anything else that's kind of cosmetic uh, so that's why i want to see it alive this previous season i want it to be good news about all that stuff obviously um and, and i really want to hear about that because i think they've th- i don't think they do as good a job of hyping the game i mean if give 2k credit where it's due here um for a game that comes out every year and doesn't always have the most amount of improvements they certainly hype it up every year with great trailers and gameplay blogs yeah, they definitely do. Uh, and I remember, um, you know, uh, around the previous season last year, uh, when X was on the podcast, we were talking about, you know, a really in-depth blog about NBA 2K19. And, you know, we all got pretty hyped about it um, based off that blog because it had so much information about the upcoming game. So, um yeah, there's definitely a lot that those blogs can do in order to kind of um, amp up the anticipation so, hoping for good news and hoping for plenty of it starting in July, August, early September, two games, two weeks before the game comes out, Kenny. That's, <laughs> we're seeing that happen <laughs> more and more, but at some point we will learn more about NBA Live 20 and NBA 2K20. I have plenty to talk about when those blogs and preview videos and whatnot come through. The trailers, more OMG trailers that make us say OMG, or, you know, there's no, we don't want an MEH trailer, we want another OMG trailer, Kenny, so... <laughs> <laughs> We'll cover that when it gets there, and of course, chat about the NBA off-season as well, but that has brought us to the end of episode number 289 of the NLC podcast. 
We hope you enjoyed it. The uh, podcast comes out each and every week, usually, uh, on the NLSC. You can also find us on various podcatching apps, including uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Podcast Addict. If you want to leave us a review on those platforms, that would be most appreciated. You can also connect with us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we are the NLSC. On Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. On YouTube, we are NBA Live Series Center. And of course, give it a lock to the NLSC itself, nba-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that will do it for this week's episode of the NLC Podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Kenny. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>